Hey, hey, welcome to the show. Great to be with you today, Paul George, Deacon Bear in studio. <laughs> Hope everyone is doing well today. I like your song of choice. What is that? I think it's called, yeah, it's called Emotional Mess. Emotional Mess. By Amy Lynn and the Hornets. Really? Wow. Yeah. That kind of sums up my life right now, actually. The Hornets or the Emotional Mess? The Emotional Mess. Okay. Yeah. If I could just admit it, you know. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. Well, things get messy, especially when you live in them, right? So, like, you got to tidy places where you've lived in them. So, mm-hmm. if you've used your emotions, they get messy. Yeah, I'm an emotional mess right now. My daughter's wedding's tomorrow. Oh, my goodness Although gracious. She probably doesn't listen to the show. So, I can give her a shout out, <laughs> but she wouldn't hear it. This show's dedicated to you, Marie George. <laughs> <laughs> but you're going to be at the wedding. Yeah, I'll be there. Serving as a deacon, right? Yep. She'll get um, served. And so I am an emotional wreck. I mean, it's my first child getting married. Did okay. you expect to to have this? But not mess? only that, it, it's, a, it's a daughter, right? Mm-hmm, that's so true. So I think there's a different emotion. Oh, totally. That goes with it. Yeah. You know, you're I don't know if I don't know if you can relate to what I'm about to say, but I remember when they were born. There's a, there's auto, right at the beginning. There's a difference when you see a male child for the first time versus when you see a female child for the first time. It's like the way I've thought about it is the male child kind of joins your life. Like he's a companion. Like, yeah, you're his dad, but it's like, okay, you've now been added to my life. But then the female child like changes your life. Mm. Like she's the object of your masculine love because she's a girl, right? Mm. Like we're made to love women. And uh, now I have a new object of that love uh, in a girl child. And then now you're giving her away to a different man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, there's a lot of emotion to process, okay, so, like, I'm not going to, like, hide from that, and that's been the whole journey this year of, like, engagement, because it's a, it's a good thing, and we're excited, a lot of joy, um, you know, and a lot of, you know, yeah, a lot of joy of just seeing your, your child enter into their vocation, and, and that's the vocation for them, and they've prayed about it, and, and they're doing it right, all those things, but still, as a father, giving your daughter away, you know, when you see her, you, I look at her, and I still see her in her baptismal gown or mm-hmm. her white confirmation gown, you know, mm-hmm. but then she's going to be in her white wedding dress. And it just all kind of comes to this sort of apex of her beginning her new life. But there is sort of a letting go of that. Wow. So there's a lot going on there. Yeah. You know, she, she gave me a suggestion, which I didn't even think about. She said I should um, listen to the entrance hymn that we're going to walk into before the wedding so that I'm not hit by the emotion of the song and I fall apart. Oh, wow. So I did that. What song I've is been it? doing that. Be Thou My Vision. Wow, okay. It's a beautiful song. Yeah. With strings. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. So, and at the same time, I am, you know, kind of, writing something to her sort of top secret but well and then i'm listening to the show so be listening to the song i'm falling apart so but i'm fall trying to fall apart before i fall apart you see so i fall apart less fall apart now more so that i don't fall apart as much later yeah you do what you gotta do man so that was the advice she gave me i didn't think about it and then i did and i was like yeah she was probably right i should well she knows you should listen to this before you know so anyway It's almost like I've held in all my emotions my whole life, and it's all coming out with this wedding. Well, this wedding, but you also uh, you worked on joy last year. That's I right. I think that, that it, like, it's like uh, plunging a toilet. Mm. Like when you're working on joy, like 
knock something loose. <laughs> you know? Way to circle back on the so joy the, thing. So the, th- the things are flowing now. That really sunk into your memory, huh? Well, yeah, I know you. Well, I did spend a year on joy. Yeah. So, I mean, and we spent a year together. Yeah. Not every day, but like. Right, right. So, like, the water's <laughs> flowing now. And uh, so, yeah, you're able to feel well, all these I things. What I didn't realize about joy is that it's an emotion. Yeah. You like that? You like that very you like I that? enjoy it. You you like that? It's an mm-hmm. emotion. Joy. Uh most people just think it's an experience, but it's actually an emotion mm-hmm. that you feel. And deep joy actually sometimes is tears. It can be coincided with other emotions of sadness or uh different things like that. So you can have tears of joy at the same time have tears of sadness. It, it's kind of all wrapped in one. You can't separate your emotions. So of course as us as guys, like we can separate a lot of things. The way we think, our emotions, we kind of live in boxes. You know, God wants to streamline all those things together. That's been the plunger in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To bring it back to your toilet analogy. Yeah. Yeah, un- unclogged it. He just unclogged it. He's like streamlining the whole flow of my mind, my heart together. Right. right. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think he planned it well because you're about to, I mean, this won't be your last child that you see in their vocation. And so, so this wedding's unclogging it all. Well, I think he unclogged you before the wedding so you could feel it all and kind of like process it all and mm. get through. And so then you, because this is your your life for a little while. You me watching your kids go well, through this. And stuff. I'm the first of a, like a lot of friends and family who are having a kid get married. Yeah, and then a daughter. So I'm like leading the way, and I don't know. Like what always, I'm doing. you're leading the way. But here's the thing: is like I'm I'm leading in vulnerability. Like I'm just telling everyone mm-hmm. it's out there. Like I'm I'm just. Don't expect much, the, people. I'm feeling all the emotions <laughs> of it. Like, I'm being open and honest, and, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm doing it. Yeah. I'm doing it. I'm not just, like, you know, like, crossing my arms and, been, and got, you know, gritting through this. I'm trying to just, yeah, feel it mm-hmm. all. Flushing that toilet. Just unclogged. Go down smooth. Man, you're getting the unclogged version of Paul. I, I can tell. I mean. <laughs> this is Unclogged Paul. Unclogged Paul. It's a good title for your next the, book. All right, so speaking of unclogged, Paul, do you Let's have unclogged a, the show? Have you seen? <laughs> what did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real though? So this is cool, getting picked up by some uh, secular news outlets, but hmm. exorcist Father John, um, what's his last name? I just see his first name. They just call him Father John Father in the John. article. He has no last Maybe name. Maybe they're not giving his last name mm. for, for reasons, but Top he... He is explaining to people in a a believable way, apparently, that certain uh, drugs coming out of Mexico are, in fact, cursed by Satanists. Have you seen this? No, I have not seen it. It's getting headlines. Um, But he's saying that uh, particular cartels out of Mexico have a relationship with uh, Satanist groups, and they are cursing the drugs that are coming all over, going all over the world. Well, that didn't surprise me. I wouldn't connect drugs with the Lord. Right. I would more connect drugs and the cartel with the enemy. Right. Satan. Totally. But certain curses he's witnessed, he said, uh, include things like making the drugs more addictive, um, causing those who use them their life to fall apart, their marriages to to end. Obviously, drugs. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um and that they lose all their faith. <clears throat> so these uh, curses, which are the opposite of prayers, right? Like, so in the Catholic Church, we know that the Lord uses objects to bring grace. Like we can bless an object, you know? Right. 
Um, and you bless water, you bless uh, metals, you bless these things. Well, the, the kingdom of darkness can curse things, for sure. Now, a blessing drives out the curse, but until that happens, these objects can be cursed. Well, it's not like you can bless drugs. No, you L- can't. Lord, like, bless these drugs. Like, make them... Unless they're a good, like, Tylenol. Maybe you could bless Tylenol. L- make these drugs less addictive. Have you ever said grace I mean, that's the whole medicine? point of, like, being a drug user is that's that they're right. addictive. It's true. You know, like... Here, the, I don't know. This article is about as revolutionary <laughs> as me saying <laughs> that joy is an emotion. That's true. But the revolutionary part is that people are paying attention. They're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't do drugs. So, like, should we do an exorcism <laughs> over the drugs before you do them? You know, like, like that, this is what's hysterical, right? Um, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Um I didn't think of it that way. Speaking of, like, Satan, the enemy, there's a new film coming out um, <clears throat> on Padre Pio. Mm, yes. Um, I know you've heard about it. Maybe some people have. Some people haven't. Um, Shia LaBeouf, famous actor who was in Transformers and a lot of big movies. Great actor. Yeah. Um, is Padre Pio in the movie. Mm-hmm. So I'm reading the article, and you can read it. Catholic News Agency has a, has a good article about it. They interview him and the producer, and they say 90% of the movie is based on his journals. Very accurate. But uh, what they you know portray as Padre Pio is very human. Like mm-hmm. you know that, that you know every saint is human is a saint in the making. You know he curses. Uh, they show scenes of him fighting the devil. Uh, mm-hmm. Like he would have like fights with the devil. He even said like in his journal and in the movie, they the devil is portrayed in his journal as a, as a nude woman, really coming to entice him and tempt him. Like like um, in spite of the Blessed Virgin Mary, like a mockery of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Wow. Um, they show him as like having like the pain of like the suffering that the town's going through because uh, there was war. You know, going on during that time, World War One, and 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 all these things, and that the stigmata was his des- not his desire was the stigmata. Like he didn't pray for that or know that, but it was a a fruit. Because uh, if you don't know this about uh, you do, but like people listening, uh, Saint Padre Pio was one of the few saints who received the stigmata, the wounds of Christ. Right, Saint Francis of Assisi had it, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, Very few. Uh, saint, saint Francis was the first. Was a woman, then- Saint. St. Rita of uh, Cassia, I always say that word wrong. She had a partial stigmata, I think, um, her forehead and... um, Not St. Teresa? um, Okay, anyway. Very rare. That it was sort of a a result of his prayer to take on the suffering of the people. Mm. Uh, So anyway, like, all this come true, but, like, I was reading the article and... uh, So the, the Padre Pio, it's called Padre Pio, it comes out June 2nd. Which is last week, but you know it's probably going to start kind of, you know, snowballing effect to the theaters. That is amazing. Go and see it. What's it um, rated? Uh, it's rated R. Okay. Yeah, because so because like, like language, real. Um, and look, I haven't seen it, so I'm not giving a review of it. But I want to see it because you know I have a devotion, Saint Padre Pio. He's in mm-hmm. the book Holy Grit. I, I learned a lot about him. But to see the human side, like that's that's what I love. It says he yeah. prayed a lot about dealing with his own anger. Mm-hmm. You know, times that he would snap or... Yeah, know. he was often Padre P.O.'d. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, he, 
anyway, that's that's coming out. But there was some very visual scenes of him fighting the devil. Wow. Know? Yeah. Yeah, and I appreciate that. You know, I uh, I've been reading lately um, some. My daughter's been reading more. Some uh, Flannery O'Connor, who um, a Catholic writer mm-hmm. who uh, lived in Georgia. Yep. You lived in Georgia for a bit. Georgia. Uh, I think she lived around Savannah. Georgia. Savannah. Um, but she was one of the most popular authors in the country in her day. She died in the 1950s at a young age, I think 38, my age. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, our good friend, Father Bryce Sibley, loves. Loves Flannery. Flannery O'Connor. For good reason. I mean, she, she captured the imagination of the country, uh, but she had a deep faith. Like, if you read her prayer journal, you mentioned Padre Pio's prayer journal, her prayer journal as a young girl, 19, uh, 1920, when she was going off to college, <clears throat> she had an intimacy with the Lord and an understanding of her own nature and, and weakness that was profound and, and saintly. Anyway, point being, her stories are shocking. And if they were ever made into movies, they would probably be rated R. <laughs> like, like uh, they're shocking. Hmm. But they moved people. And I'm thinking about this, this movie, Father Stew, that came out a couple of years ago. Did you ever get around to seeing that one? Which one? Yeah, Father, Father Stew. Yeah, yeah. Rated R, but like moving. Like Great movie. A, yeah, there's really a certain good movie. Um, yeah. There's a certain uh, shockingness to reality itself. Like this is real life. This is what he would really say. This is what he would really do. That uh, makes it able to move the heart. And so I'm I'm looking forward to seeing Padre Pio, and I'm glad they made it real. Yeah, they made it real. I'm reading the article. You know, there's curse words, and they portray him as really human and whatever. But um, and they talk about the demonic attack and. So Shia LaBeouf, famous actor, said he rolled in to do this movie, and his life was a wreck. Mm-hmm. He spent time at the monastery learning what it was like to be a monk and like immerse himself. You know, you you, I don't know what they call that like portray acting. Oh, method acting. Method acting. Yeah. Um, and then through through you know uh, undertaking the character of Padre Pio, immersing himself in the community, he had a conversion. He said he was saved. Um, and is in RCIA. He's in the process of becoming Catholic. Like, That's how right. crazy is this? That's the beauty of the faith is, like, when you actually get away from the world and immerse yourself in it, like, man, like, like God like God is real, you know? Um, well, that's why monasteries throughout the history of the church are centers of evangelization. It's hard to think of it that way because a monastery, it's like, oh, you're leaving the world. Uh, how can you contribute to the world? But that's how you contribute to the world. Because when the world is looking for answers or whatever, mm. when their life's a mess, when they're an emotional mess, or when their toilet needs to be unclogged, when you go to a monastery and live, just live with the monks or like experience the peace that's there, the humanity, the prayer, the presence of God, that moves you and changes you. Yeah. Well, so to bring this all back to the toilet, <laughs> which you brought up, the unclogged Paul, LaBeouf's told, uh, you know, in the interview you know, about like making the movie so real about the temptations and the language that they used and the temptations of the devil. He says, if you ever read uh, Little Flowers of St. Francis, a book, um, the journal, he says very clearly, and it's not conjecture, it's not paraphrase, the saint says, it, and this is the quote, if the devil approaches you, you stuff in his mouth. St. <laughs> Francis said that? Yep. That's awesome. Yep. Stuff. You know, SH. Yeah. That's the words. That's good stuff. And, and that's good advice. It like, is good advice. Like, that's what the devil deserves. That's Man, true. you get away. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plunge you. That's right. So anyway, this all comes full circle. So anyway, well, okay. I need, I need to follow up on something. Okay. Stigmatas. Stigmata. 
just so we're all clear. Mm-hmm. Pretty neat. So Fran- St. Francis was the first. Thank you. Uh, within 100 years. He was years, the first? Yeah. After Christ. So like 12, 13, 1400 years later. Yeah. There was no other saint that we know of that got the stigmata. That's right. That's nuts. Isn't it? Um, and that was in, uh, let's see, he died in 1226. But within a hundred years after that, two more. So St. Catherine of Siena, I didn't realize she was a stigmatist, mm. but apparently, yes. Uh, and her wounds, oh, this is, I do remember this now. It was invisible, but apparently, like, she, she had would, the pain. She had the pains, but then when she died, they, like, appeared. Wow. Um, St. I've never heard of this. Saint Ludgardus. Hmm. Ludgardus. A Benedictine nun. Also had a, a crown, a stigmata. But um, not all, all the wounds, just no, the crown. Just the crown. Saint Rita of Cascia, uh, she had the crown, crown wound. Saint Catherine de Ricci. There's been a lot, 1500s, a lot more than I would think. Saint Gemma, uh, Gag, I don't know how to say her last Gag Galgani. Galgani? Okay. But that was in 18, uh, she died in 1903. So wow. that was Passionist Nun, and I think that's it until Padre Pio. <clears throat> wow. So like five or six total. Yeah, not a huge list. That we know of. Not a huge list. Yeah. Hmm. An amazing grace that, that God gave Padre Pio. <sighs> Be thou my he has the record for the longest stigmata, 50 years. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Healthcare that works better and costs less seems like an oxymoron, Right. Take a minute and check out our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare. Members say that faith-based health sharing is a much better fit than insurance, all while costing less. Prices start at $384 a month for families. Call now to see how much you can save. 844-387-8533. That's 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George, Deacon Adam Conkin Studio. Thanks, everyone, for listening, being a part of the show on the podcast, wherever you are. Feel free to share the show. I would I would venture to say the most important part of the show is the listener. That Well, yes. Yes. And for everyone listening to KDN, KLFT yeah. Radio, 90.5, or wherever you are. Great to be with you. I don't know the name of that song. Was that Emotional Rest? Uh, that was uh, Forever Young. Forever Young, which I am not. Yeah. Um, speaking of Forever Young, like the, the show, we were on plungers and Satan and <laughs> clogging, and like it was very interesting. Um. Speaking of miracles, though, like we were talking about the stigmata. Okay. Yeah. This is, it's a miracle. It's not something that you can just like get, and they investigate it. So it's not like I can like you know jab myself in the hands with a screwdriver and give myself the stigmata. I mean, I could, but the church would investigate it and be like, that was like self, you know, inflicted. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's not a miracle. So these miracles were, they're not just like some saint. It was like, Hey, I got it. No, like it was a miracle and they investigate it. But, um, so speaking of miracles, um, this Sunday we celebrate a huge miracle. Did mm-hmm. you know that? Mm-hmm. Did mm-hmm. you know this, mm-hmm. Deacon Adam? Yeah. The yeah. bear of bears? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this yeah. Sunday. The yeah. solemnity. 
of the body and blood of Christ. Amazing. Yeah, it's, uh, of course, the Eucharist is the gift of gifts that our Lord gives us himself. Right? Right. Jesus is the greatest. But this feast uh, was established to mark a Eucharistic miracle um, back in the 1200s. Feast of Corpus Christi. Yeah. The body and of Christ. So the, it's kind of an annual renewal, not only of our faith in, in the Eucharist, but like I'm glad you put it the way you put it, but to actually look at Eucharistic miracles every year. Because hmm. it's a feast about, I mean, the occasion of it was a Eucharistic miracle, but it's... Okay, so maybe I can put you on the spot here. Oh, boy. Because this week, uh, and we do, this Sunday, for those of you guys who are listening, we'll celebrate the solemnity of the body and blood of Christ, a.k.a. also known as the Corpus Christi Sunday, um, which is, you know, obviously the at the core central belief of being Catholic that we believe that every Mass, the bread and wine transform into the body and blood of Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, and this is the beauty of our faith. Um, so this started with the Eucharistic miracle, this feast day. Um, mm-hmm. What is the Eucharistic miracle? That's a great question. It's uh, the miracle at, at Luciano. Am I saying that right? I might need to look this up. So, But yeah, Luciano in Italy. But it was... We've had several of these through the centuries, actually. Yes, there's been... Of this type. Yeah. Because there's several types of Eucharist miracles, let's say. But this type where you have a priest who's wavering in his faith in the Holy Eucharist. This, is, this has been the cause of several Eucharistic miracles, where a priest is starting to not believe in the Eucharist, not believe in the real presence of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist, and then the Lord just so shows he's just, up. He's just doing the Mass. He's just, you know... Yep going through the the ritual and the ropes of doing the mass, right? That's right. And so he's you know, one day this priest who's doubting the Eucharist um is saying holy mass and in his hands the 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 host turns to flesh. Hmm. Okay, so this is uh this event took place in the 8th century, right? This first eucharistic miracle um Luciana, Italy, 8th century. Is this century? the one? I thought it would be later. So maybe I'm wrong about which one started the F- Corpus Christi. Yeah, I don't know Is which one the, started Because the feast started Christi. in 12-something. Okay. Um, but you're right. It says the Church of St. Uh, uh, Lagosian, a divine response to the uh, Basilian monk's doubt about Jesus' real presence in the Eucharist. Uh, during Mass, after a twofold consecration, the host was changed in the live flesh and the wine was changed into the live blood, um, which coagulated into uh, five, uh, uh, like they, it, it started like, I don't know how you how you describe Collected, it. Collected, coagulated, yeah. solidified. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, different in shapes and sizes and whatnot. So this is the the first, if I'm getting this right. Um, the first Eucharistic miracle that, I mean, every Eucharistic, every Mass, there's a Eucharistic miracle. Okay, the Eucharistic miracle is is the reality that Jesus is present, fully present in the mm-hmm. body and blood, right? But there's been specific miracles of actually blood flowing uh, from the Eucharist, flesh. Uh, we still have, we, there's one in South America right now. that uh, That's right, that they're investigating. Yeah, like that. What happened in Connecticut uh, a couple months ago, maybe they're investigating. You heard about that? Recently. Yeah. Really? A couple months ago. Um, a possible multiplication of the hosts at communion time. 
mm-hmm. where they were running out and then they just kept coming. There's a multiplication. Um, but apparently several people witnessed it to where there might be – they're investigating it. All right, so I had to look this up. I okay. Couldn't, I couldn't, so, yeah, it wasn't that miracle. It was the <laughs> – it was the miracle in 1263 uh, in uh, Bolsena. Now, the miracle of Lanciana did happen. That was yes. the first recorded Eucharistic miracle that they have. I mean, you go back Correct. to the 8th century, right? That's a long time ago. So, like, we trace it back. But that also happened. But then this one happened, which started the the solemnity or the feast of Corpus, of Christi, Corpus right. Christi. Yeah, it was in Bolsena, Italy. Bolsena. Italy. Man, all, all these miracles happen in Italy. I know. Man. That's why I want to go. You've been there. You've walked you these grounds. You wanted to move there. Yeah, I did for a little bit. Like a summer break. <laughs> um, but it was, it was a similar situation. So in 1263, mm-hmm. a Father Pietro de Praga okay. uh, had grown lukewarm in his love for the Eucharist. I mean, our Lord just loves priests so much that if they're like starting to doubt him, he's like, all right, I'll give you a miracle. Um, and while celebrating, celebrating Holy Mass, at the breaking of... You know the fracture out right where you break the host? Uh, blood started to flow from the host and then drenched the altar. Hey-o. Um, and the floor. Like Ooh. it just went poof, everywhere. And uh, Pope o- Urban IV, who was residing near in Orvieto at the time, um, ordered the cloth and everything with it to be brought to St. Mary's, where it's still there today. So it's it's in Orvieto. So if, if you want to see this miracle, you can see the cloth. Soaked in the precious blood of Jesus, really, that came from the host. So it, it wasn't the wine; it would, came from the host itself, which is crazy, mm-hmm. you know. Because yeah, wow. And so Pope Urban ordered Corpus Christi to uh, to be established as a feast to honor our Lord, Pleasure in the Blessed Sacrament. Can I nerd out for just a second, please? So this is one of my favorite stories about Saint Thomas Aquinas, who I love, right? But one of his greatest contributions to the Church is the Mass for Corpus Christi. So mm-hmm. he was asked by Pope Urban, well. Actually, him and St. Bonaventure, who was alive at, the, alive at the same time. It was like the uh, Paul and Deacon Bear of the time, yeah. Bonaventure and Aquinas. Yeah, they're, they're like the twins. They're friends, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it takes two to make a thing go right. <laughs> That's right. So he has them both compose uh, prayers and music for this Mass. Really? And they were going to present it to him, and whichever one he liked the best, he would, he would use. This happened. No way. So they both work on it privately. Okay. They show up at a meeting with the Pope, and... Aquinas goes first. Thomas goes first. So he shares the hymns that he wrote, which we still sing today, by the way, like Ave Verum, um, the uh, Down in Adoration Falling, that's him. Like, yeah. Pretty much every traditional Eucharistic hymn we have came from St. Thomas Aquinas for this feast day. Okay. Anyway, point being, so Thomas goes first, and then Bonaventure listening just tears up his papers and said, nope, he got it. <laughs> He wins. <laughs> he wins. Well, he said, this is surely inspired by the Holy Spirit hmm. and far greater than what I was going to share. How good is that? Yeah. So that... It's basically just like what he said. Right. Just let's do that. Yep. Um, that sounds like me in class all the time. Yeah, well, I'll just do his paper. <laughs> his paper's much better. <laughs> yeah. She wins. Uh, so, uh, yeah, these, these hymns and these prayers that we've used ever since, it's all from St. Thomas Aquinas. Like... Um, when you would do adoration, the adoration hymns, that's mm-hmm. St. Thomas Aquinas. Yep. Tantum ergo. I think I would be, a, I would have been a much better Bonaventure than an Aquinas. I would have totally just been like, yeah, whatever he, he <laughs> says. I think that's good. That sounds good. <laughs> well, I'm sure it was no, not bad at all, but we'll never know what Bonaventure wrote. 
like the prayers he would have offered or the hymns he wrote because he tore them up. He might have just gone in and be like, hey, so I got an idea, but I didn't do yeah. anything with it. And Aquinas <laughs> had like this whole layout, this whole plan, this whole music. Oh, boy. That's pretty That's pretty good. I, I'd like to go. What town is this in? Because I want to go. Orvieto, the uh, mir- the cloth yeah. covered in a precious mm-hmm. blood, Orvieto. Where is that? I wonder where that's that is. That's a great question. But, okay, so that's crazy. And then there's been other Eucharistic miracles throughout history um, that you can read about and trace. Like, if, if you've never gotten into this, like, just look them up. Like, they're they're crazy legit, and um, it, it kind of does. You know, we're in this whole Eucharistic push within the church, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a Eucharistic National Congress happening. There's all these things. But here's the reality. Like, this is crazy. The church has never stopped talking about or preaching about the Eucharist. Never. People have stopped believing, um, maybe, but it's never stopped talking about it. There's been Eucharistic adoration for you know, Eucharistic miracles, Mass. The miracle of the Mass is every time, whether you feel it or not. And here's the beauty of it is that if you need a miracle in your vocation, just at, just like beg for it. Like mm-hmm. in any like if you're just That's going right. through the motions in your marriage, like be like that priest who's like, I'm gonna go through the motions of the mass because I'm faithful. But Lord, I need to believe. Like I don't mm-hmm. believe that what I'm doing is is you know it. And then look what happens. Like God provides a miracle. Now it may not be that miracle, but mm-hmm. it's going to be another type of miracle. You know, a breakthrough in your vocation to fall in love again because that's what God wants for your vocation. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think that's what's amazing about the Eucharistic miracles is that not only do they help us believe in the Eucharist. But also believe in everything else our Lord has done and said, which is can include the spouse he called me to marry, can include the job he's called me to have, can include the the personality he's given me, the the you know, mm. like everything else our Lord has done and said is good and right mm. if we believe in the Eucharist, if we understand the truth of it, that our Lord loves us so much that he's made himself present under the appearance of bread and wine to to have communion with us and to save us from our sins, then everything else he does makes sense, including the things that are hard to accept sometimes about ourselves and, and others. Yeah, this is why it's hard Like when people leave the church, because it's like, or you leave, people leave for all sorts of reasons, whatever. And, you know, pastorally, we have to understand those. But at the end of the day, uh, the church, yes, although run by humans, is not human, it's divine. And mm-hmm. what's divine about it is that Jesus is fully present. The risen Christ is fully present. He he instituted and started the church and the sacraments. And and that's who we fall in love with. We don't fall in love with, although it's important, the community. We don't fall in love with the priest, although they're important. We all play a role. But the reality is we fall in love with Jesus mm-hmm. and the sacraments. And he is forever present. And saying that there's, uh, in history, they know of, there's over 100 Eucharistic miracles that um, have been approved. Yes. There's some that are being investigated, but over 100 Eucharistic miracles that they know. And most of them have occurred during times of weakening faith in the in transubstantiation. Yep. Yeah, which I would say we qualify these days, right? I mean, almost 75% of American Catholics don't quite believe what the Church teaches about the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. So, so they say. So they say, but... Well, that's also the same amount of people that don't really go to Mass. Ever. Right. Yeah, of course. Right. If you're not going to Mass, you don't believe in it. Right. You know. And uh, But point being, um, you know, our Lord wants to meet us in our need, uh, our lack of faith. He wants to meet us and strengthen our faith in the Eucharist. And this Eucharistic revival, 
is a great idea, but I mean, it, it happens person to person. And uh, for us to recommit ourselves to the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament is so needed. And one of the ways our Lord has provided for that is through the life of Blessed Carlo Acutis, who died at the age of 15, but loved our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, but particularly loved to spread the news about Eucharistic miracles. And he created a website, because he was a computer nerd, Hmm. created a website on Eucharistic miracles that's still up right now. So you can go look at it. Um, It's called, well, it's in Italian, but basically miraclesoftheeucharist.org, but in Italian. Miracolieucaristici.org. But if you just look up Carlo Acuti's website, you'll find it. Um, But it's, it's 32 Eucharistic miracles from around the world, and he created these, like, panels that you could print out if you want to display them at your parish or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's all there. And uh, this this kid flew to the heights of sanctity. He's incorrupt, by the way. Um, merely by loving our Lord in the Eucharist and then wanting to spread news about that through these Eucharistic miracles. So if we all did that during this Eucharistic revival where we started to really learn these Eucharistic miracles and and teach people about them, maybe maybe uh, it'll have the effect that Blessed Carlo wanted to have too, which is people kind of looking again at Jesus in the Eucharist. Maybe there's something here. Okay. So I actually today have a weird Catholic stuff. What? Yep. Paul, you got the weird Catholic stuff? I have it today. I found it. It must be really weird. Because you're weird. Catholics are weird people. Okay. Weird Catholics. Yeah. Okay, so we're like, we're like, you know, looking around. We're talking about, you know, Corpus Christi, uh, solemnity of the body and blood of Christ, Eucharistic miracles. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I'm reading this pretty crazy miracle. Okay, this is like a weird. Eucharistic miracle. Well, yes, yes. Okay. Uh, it, it's it's all the miracles, all in one. So it's so weird that, like you said, look, we need we need intro music it's on this. It's awesome sucker. too. Yeah, like right. it's amazing. Okay, so, um, okay, so do you know the miracle of Saint Mary of Egypt? Okay, so Saint Mary of Egypt, so. she left her parents at twelve and became a prostitute. Wow. Okay, that was before her conversion, I assume. Yes. Okay. okay. Uh, Seventeen years later, she was in Palestine on the feast day of the exaltation of the Holy Cross. Okay. okay, and she went to church looking for customers. You're kidding? Um, yep. And at the door of the church, she saw an image of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Uh, she was overcome with remorse in that moment, and um, the Blessed Virgin Mary said, "If you cross the Jordan River, you will find peace." So she's in Palestine. She has this miracle conversion happen through the Blessed Virgin Mary. Walks across the Jordan River. Okay. And so, and she took on the life of a hermit uh, for 40, uh, 47 years. Um, just right across the Jordan. Just right across the Jordan. But, okay, here's the Eucharistic miracle. One day she saw a monk, St. Zo- Zo- Zoemus of Palestine, who had come to the desert for Lent. And although they, they'd never met, she called him by name. She'd never even met him. Called him by name, and they spoke for a while at the end the conversation, she asked Zosima to come back the following year and bring the Eucharist to her. Okay? Mm-hmm. So she's living as a hermit in the middle of the desert. Could, could you give me a Eucharist next year? Prostitute. A year later. So a year later, he came. 
but he couldn't cross the Jordan River because the water was too deep. So he has mm. the Eucharist and he's bringing it to her. And she's on the other side, okay? And she can't cross. There's no boat. She mm. can't walk across. And there was no boat for her to cross. Um, it was possible to give her communion. Mary made the sign of the cross and walked across the water to meet him. And she received communion. Whoa. She walked on water. What years-ish? Yep. What century? This is in the 6th century. Wow. <clears throat> yep. That's crazy. So uh, she asked him again to return the following year, but when she did, when he did the following year, year she had died. Mm. She did. Uh, next to her corpse, she wrote a note asking that he bury her, and it was reported that he was assisted digging her grave by a lion. This is nuts, dude. This is weird. This is something. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. this wild woman in the woods who became so holy. See, this this is what these are look, th- these are the things that are gonna be, we're gonna start seeing signs and wonders, yeah. God moving, because our we live in a world in such in need. Like we're like and we all need it, but like you know, like the world is in need of God, man. Like mm. in, in a real way, and I don't, you know, say that in like this fundamentalist, like crazy, like, uh, uh, you know, <clears throat> radical, like fish. Like I'm just saying, like the the world needs the love of God, like the peace and joy and serenity, and the hope of God. You know, so miracles have always been a way of pointing to something greater than ourselves. Because the problem with the world and all of us is that we turn inward. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the greatest gifts God gives us to keep us not turn inward, to keep us focused on Him and others, we just get so used to. Like I'm, I'm struck by how she didn't go to, she didn't receive Holy Communion for years, maybe decades, sounds like. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, how many times I've gone to communion? You know, like I, I receive Him all the time, and and she became a saint longing for him and wanting him, you know, to, to receive him in the Eucharist, having to wait years to do that. And then um, the love and the desire and the the tenderness she must have received our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament after walking across the water to receive him, right? Like, right. But it's the same Jesus I receive today, you know? Like, so anyway, I, it's it's kind of amazing how humble Jesus is, that he's willing to let us take advantage of him by being so close. Yeah. But these stories that have happened, these lives that have been lived, that they get it. They get how amazing this gift is. You know, it helps break us out of our, our daily routine and realize, wow, what a great gift the Eucharist is. Yeah, it's crazy. There's some really, really wild miracles. There's one um, miracle of in uh, Avignon, France, mm-hmm. in 1433, where the Franciscans, there was a flood. Like literally a flood, like it rained for days and days and there was a flood. So they had to take a boat to the church to -hmm. check on it. And there was, you know, it floods like over four feet of water leading up to the church. And when they got to the church, it had parted like the Red Sea. And there was a dry walkway (laughs) to the church, to the altar, and the tabernacle had not been um, messed with. Wow. So this is a literally a uh, j- it parted just like the Red Sea miracle, amazing, which, which is not and 120 Vatican approved miracles 
that they know of at this point. How That's crazy amazing. is that? It is wild. And, uh, yeah, I would encourage everybody to go to Carlo Cudi's site because that one's there, the Avignon one. There's a tons other. And you can click on them, and he arranged them by country. So you can look at what's the What's the website? Well, realpresence.org? It's Miracle of the Eucharist, but in Spain, uh, Italian, miracoleucharistici.org. But if you just Google Carlo Acuti's website, so it's C-A-R-L-O-A-C-U-T-I-S website, it's what comes up. And, I mean, a future saint made the site, which is wild to me. So, like, they thought through how best to do it. And he arranged it by country. You can see what happened in Argentina, Austria, Belgium, Colombia, etc. France had many. Apparently, of course, Italy is the winner. Italy has, like, tons. Um, but then he also arranged, like, at the end, there's these uh, miraculous communion stories, which uh, are so moving. I mean, my favorite is Blessed Imelda. You know Blessed Imelda? Is she saying Imelda yet? Melda, but, Melda? Imelda? Imelda toast. But she died as a young girl, as a young Dominican from the Eucharist. She died from joy. Her first communion. She died at her first communion. <laughs> yes, I did hear that one. She's one of the patron saints of first communicants. But, um, yeah, she was she was wanting to receive our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. She was too young. Wanting to receive, wanting to receive. And uh, she was told no. But uh, our Lord, um, the Eucharist came out of the tabernacle and levitated above her head. <laughs> and so the priest walked in and saw it. And she was like, well, I guess I'm supposed to give this to her. So he takes the Eucharist that's levitating above her head and gives it to her, you know, the body of Christ Mm. and receiving it. Then she had some time at Thanksgiving after mass. And then she died during that Thanksgiving. Like her heart just exploded. That's crazy. So there's tons of stories like that of saints that have had miraculous communions. Okay. The, the, the list of Eucharistic miracles is by country is pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. Um, And Carlos Acutis organized it. So yeah, when you click on one, it it tells you the whole story of it um, with S- pictures. Spain and Italy, man, you guys are rocking some Eucharistic miracles. Oh, I didn't see the Spanish list. Um, yeah, that's huge. You know, huge Germany. Uh, huge. I don't see any in the U.S. Yeah, I think you just didn't include it. I don't. Know, I think there are some approved ones by the Vatican. There's definitely a lot being investigated. But uh, I mean, we're we're a fairly yet. new country. We are. For the most part, right? We are. Uh-huh. Uh, although Venezuela has one from 91. That's That one is impressive. So anyway, nerd out on Eucharistic Miracles, folks. It's one of the ways to to do the Eucharistic revival that, you know, that we're in. Because these are stories that are crazy. Uh, they, they get your attention. It's weird Catholic stuff. But it's it's so unique to... Well, you can't deny a miracle. Right. So it, it takes faith, but like... The church doesn't just, like, throw these out as, like, oh, it's just a miracle believe. They actually investigate them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is what you need to know. Like, a saint becomes a saint. They investigate the saints, the miracles. They investigate all all these things because, it, it, you know, you know, faith and reason work together. Mm-hmm. You can't just, like, blindly, you know, uh, whatever. So it's just like with Thomas touching the wounds of Jesus. Like, I think there, there was something significant about him seeing the wounds and touching them. Mm-hmm. He The miracle happened. And yet there was a, there was you know, a time where he got to see him and touch him, and the apostles witnessed it, and that's the beauty of it, you know. That's right. So, okay, why don't we take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Paying too much for health care and supporting services you don't believe in. 
Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of health care. Join the nation's leading health care sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith, saving money through ethical and affordable health care. Call now to see how much you can save at 844-387-8533. That's Solidarity HealthShare, 844-387-8533. Hey, hey. All right. Adam is going crazy. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. I'm unclogged, man. I'm letting the emotions run run free. See, if if the show is on video, uh, which it you know should be, mm-hmm. get up to speed with the day and time, but we wouldn't be able to do what we did at breaks. That's true. We kind of let loose. I guess we could, but people would see it. Yeah, it's kind of like, uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, the real Paul, um, unclogged Paul, <laughs> unclogged Paul. That's the theme of the show. <laughs> Lord unclog us. Yes. You know? Yeah. And I was reading this this last week of Jesus overturning the you know, the tables and the in the temple and cleansing the temple of like defilement. Yeah. You know? And I was reading a reflection that uh a lot of spiritual writers and saints in the past have written about that as not just like the physical church that Jesus was cleaning out, but that he was talking about our hearts, like our souls, mm-hmm. our lives. Like so, like, like what does what does the Lord need to come in and just overturn in your life? Unclog me, Jesus. Unclog, clean up, like throw out, like you know, take cords to and whip. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and, and I was it. It gave me a new imagery of that scene, of it being a real sign of the Lord. Really, Jesus wanted to like come in and. and cleanse my temple which is you know it's you know our, our our bodies are a temple of the holy spirit that's right yeah it's interesting i mean when we're talking about pentecost and the prophet ezekiel for example prophesying that uh he the lord saying through ezekiel he will pour out his spirit upon us mm-hmm. and take from our bodies our stony hearts and give us natural hearts and cleanse us of all of our impurities and then we we uh see in the in the good news of Jesus Christ, that he dies for our sins. Like, he takes on the sacrifice that alone can save us from our sins. But how do we receive mm-hmm. that salvation? How do we receive the blood of Jesus Christ? It's by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Like, even in the, in a sacramental way, we, we literally receive the body and blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus in the Eucharist, but only made possible by the Holy Spirit and the outpouring of his Spirit first, which is in baptism. No one who's unbaptized can receive communion can receive the sacrament it's the out it's the flood of the spirit that does unclog the toilet of our souls that cleanses us and this cleansing power of pentecost this cleansing power to get take our stony hearts away and give us natural hearts to cleanse our temple like you said and give us a temple where the father can be worshiped in spirit and truth mm-hmm. it's only possible by an openness to this holy spirit that we would invite him to come in and cleanse us of our impurities and how much quicker we conquer sin 
by the Holy Spirit's power and love in our life rather than us trying to figure it out on our own, you know? I have another way we can overcome sin. Uh-oh. The Eucharist. It's hey. sort of been a, been a theme. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I find when I go to Mass, there's a certain peace in my heart. I, sounds crazy. That does sound crazy. That's like the, the cursed drug thing. Uh, um, the blessed Eucharist. And even daily Mass, which I need to be better at, you know, I mean, <clears throat> but it's like I leave, I'm like, hmm, why don't I do this more often? Yeah. You know, like God's present, Jesus is present, there's peace, there's beauty in the the holy sacrifice of the Mass. And, you know, we celebrate this miracle and this solemnity, this feast day of Corpus Christi, but... Th- Again, the miracle happens at every Mass. The yes. miracle happens at every Mass. Yeah. The miracle happens at every Mass. And the miracle is that Christ is fully present. Fully present. Yes, in the Word. Yes, in the community. Yes, in the priest. But most significantly in the Eucharist. Yes. And why is he present? I mean, our Lord died on the cross to save us from our sins, but we needed Pentecost. Like, it wasn't done yet. But I, I ain't finished. Pentecost completes what the church is. We, that's why we call Pentecost the birthday of the church and not the crucifixion. Right. And the Eucharist, Jesus is present in the Eucharist, interceding on our behalf with the Father for our salvation. He's present in the Eucharist so that he can dwell with us and be our God, and uh, we are his people. Hmm. But this is lived in reality by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why adoration of the Blessed Sacrament should be the apex of our relationship with the Holy Spirit, really. Like when we're at Mass, right after Holy Communion, or if we go to an adoration chapel, this is when, like St. Paul talked about, we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit prays within us and with inexpressible groanings, right? Right. Like this is the moment where we share the Spirit of Christ, Him looking at us, us looking at Him, in the power of the Holy Spirit, to inflame our hearts to be like his. So his sacred heart that's aflame with charity, our heart becomes a flame like his, but this is done by the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so like, yes. If you have a chance... Okay, so the Vatican has a website. It does. The Vatican Archive, Vatican.va. Okay, it's an impressive website because it's like mm-hmm. a worldwide, you know, situation they got going on over there, right? <laughs> Every language known to man. Yep. All the documents, all the... <clears throat> All the things, you know, all the encyclicals. I mean, it's got. If you go to Carlo Acutis's website, okay, so he's blessed right now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Carlo, C A R L O Acutis, A Q U T I S dot com. And you're listening. This is the most impressive, basic, impressive website on Eucharistic miracles, mystics, organized by country and alphabetical order. I mean, like, this is like, if you want to, like, you want to, like, immerse yourself, you're going to get lost in this website. That's right. I mean, it is like, you know, I'm looking at, um, I mean, yeah, it's like he goes, yeah. Mm -hmm. Our Lady of the Eucharist, uh, saints, mystics in the Eucharist, um, you know, all the countries where, you know, there happen, you know, it's just like, so what I'm saying is, like, the the Vatican should just link this into their site because it's got more than they do on this specific topic. That's true. <laughs> yeah. They're like, here's this, like, 15-year-old kid that's just outdid the Vatican website. Yeah, I think so. 
Well, it's funny because uh, I don't know, like I'm not European. I don't know too many Europeans, but I do know this, that when it comes to like websites, especially around Italy, you know, they're not, they're not, uh, they don't have to have the latest, greatest. So like the Vatican website looks the same as it did 20 years ago, which is funny. Um, it has great stuff on it, but like it looks the exact same. Uh, so Carlo, who died at the age of 15 back in 2006, I think, like his, his looks better. Definitely. Um, it's, it's basic. It's like a, you know, a high school kid built a website. Right. But the information on there is unbelievable. Yes. It's like a, it's almost like a child prodigy. Right. But about the Eucharist. Did the information, you're just like, how, yeah, I, I cannot, it, like, I don't have enough brain capacity to put that much information in one place. Mm-hmm. This is the miracle that he was able to do this. And he died at 15. Yep. Okay, so like, and if you hear me talking about it, you, it, you can't understand it until you go see it. You got to go to the website because it's got a lot. It's good. And you're going to see miracles. You're like, I never even heard of this. This is crazy. Yeah, and it's important to note that. What have you done, Adam? Not much. That there I mean, are, this guy was 15. <laughs> what have you done with your life? I've been 15 like twice. I still haven't done anything like that. You've been over 15 twice. You're right. Right? 15 and 15 is 30. You're over 30. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're creeping on 40. Creeping. Creeping. It's creeping on me. You're not there yet. But But I mean, like... Right? Not all these miracles are ancient. Some are in the 1990s, some on this website. Uh, Now, he died in 2006, but like Buenos Aires was in the 90s. Yeah. Think about the websites being built in like the early 2000s. This is kind of what it looks like, right? Mm -hmm. And they just kind of left it. So it's the information on there that's unbelievable. Yeah. But here's what y'all do have in common, Adam. What? You and uh, Carlos, is that y'all build websites. That's true. <laughs> That's true. More people visit his. More people have visited his <laughs> uh, than yours. And uh, here's what he and I don't have in common is I can't build a website. You don't know that. When have you really tried? Yeah, I don't. I can't, you know. But, <clears throat> Yeah. Nor you, do I have the brain capacity you may be to do able this, to. but this is impressive. So anyway, go to the site. This is a cool show today. This Sunday, be cognizant of this beautiful solemnity of yeah. uh, the body and blood of Christ. I mean, one thing you could do is simply share one of the Eucharistic miracles you like from Carlos Page with somebody. Yeah, with the family and no member. big for me. No big weekend here. The oh, George yeah. home. You know, we'll rehearsal dinner. Then we'll have the wedding on Saturday, which we'll have Mass, and then we'll go to Mass again on, on Sunday. But like... So, you know, it's going to be a weekend of weekends. I'll tell bet. you what. You're going to go through it, man. You're going to see me fall apart. You're going to be yep. standing in the sanctuary watching the bride walk in, and there's your big face I'm going to see. Maybe it'll make me laugh instead. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the bear's all about, instead bringing the joy and apart. laughter. You have your, just your deacon face on. <laughs> <laughs> just staring it down. Oh, boy. Just enjoying the moment. So your daughter's getting married on Corpus Christi weekend? Apparently. That's a good idea. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. That's a good idea. So next time you hear from me, yeah. Man. Who, who knows? Father of the bride. Yeah. So like, it, you could be a grandfather very soon. You never know. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that you just don't know. <laughs> Can't plant. So anyway, thanks to everyone for listening to the show, being a part of the show here on KLFT and Acadiana. Um Thanks to the station and for all those who listen on the podcast for Spoke Street, who uh, also holds our podcast, um, does a great job. And for everyone listening, 
Thanks for being a part of the show, and we'll be back next week. God bless. Thank you.